Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Stanley. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is for you, to another episode of BS Car Guys Podcast. We are delighted and thrilled to have you with us today as we um, talk about EVs, finally. Like, uh, all EV podcast, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this EV podcast started off one way, went a different way, and I'm about to take it a whole different way. But I was waiting for your introduction. I thought it was beautiful again. I was, I was, thank I, you. I like how you switch it up, but keep it consistent. It is, see, that's why you get paid the big bucks right there. That's why you're the big baller on the, on the BS Car Guys podcast. I, when, when do I get paid the big bucks? Is there a check in the mail? Uh, yes. You need to talk to the, uh, you need to talk to uh, HR, sir. I got you. Wait a minute. This this may be breaking news at the moment. Um, Stanley and I haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, and he's recording from, like, the Bat Cave, and so he's like a dark silhouette, and I don't even mean that as, like, a racial thing. I just can't really see him that well. I need you to turn in profile so I can get a look at the side. What is going on with your hair? First of all, sir, um, that is bad lighting that makes you ask the question, what's going on with my hair? Um, and my hair is, well, is need to get redone, redid now. But, man, look, first of all, all right, I'm on this hair journey. Let's talk Let's talk about it. Hey, if you're black or have kinky hair, then you can understand it. Uh, you will understand this. Bill does not understand this. All he has to do is grow his hair and th- put a brush in it Wash it maybe once a week, and it just looks like Bill's hair. That don't work with us curly-haired people, black people, whatever you got, whatever you want to put it, category you want to put us in. We have to do things in order to manage this stuff. And when I had to go to the lady and I pay her to do things to manage this stuff, because obviously I am too lazy and not equipped to do this myself, and my wife has told me no, um, she don't get paid enough for that. I just give her a creative, uh, I just let her go. It's like, she, hey, what, would you want me like you put your hair up this time? I was like, hey, do what you feel. And then I walk around like that for the next six weeks. Okay. So describe your current hair situation. Because, again, I'm, I'm really seeing you more like a backlit, like silhouette. So to me, I might be talking to my best friend, Stanley, but I might also be talking to the queen alien from the movie aliens because it is really out there. So I need you to describe what I'm looking at. Well, I have locks and okay. the locks are uh, pulled uh, are braided, but they're in two braids from the top of my head to the back of my head on the side. Okay. Okay. All right. And then are they and like if... r- roped around in the back or something What's I mean, what's keeping them up yeah. in the back or just why um, they're braided. It's kind of just the way they're braided. Okay. I wish I could I can send you a picture if I have yes. one of what it looked like when it was really when it was first done. Because right now it looks kind of raggedy. I'm probably take it down this weekend and then my hair just no be flying no no, no don't don't take it down. I just yeah send me a picture because like I said b- being backlit it's real hard for me to get any definition of what I'm looking at and so it might be the craziest hairstyle I've ever seen you with. It, I, in fact I know it is because I've really never seen you with hair much. So, uh, just trying to wrap my head around, it's like talking to a different person, visually well, speaking. Well, I can't see you at all, because, uh, you know, GoPro. Guess um, guess what? Mine still looks the same as it's always looked. Yeah, because you don't have to do anything to your hair. I know, you made that abundantly clear. Just, just FYI, saying. though, for our African-American listeners, white people hair, if I go a week with only washing it once, it will be very oily. Just FYI. So I do have we to wash that. it more than once a week. We know that. And if we washed our hair consistently, it would just completely dry out and fall off our heads. But, you know. <laughs> all right. So let's talk EVs. Yeah, because we are not talking about cars at all right now. So anyway, like I, like we, like Bill said, we initially uh, planned this episode to talk about the problems with uh, some EV problems that, you know, some people may not be addressing, um, may not be talking about as much. And we will do that. But it will morph and go down the road of conversations I've been having with people who are uh, about to spend money and trying to decide whether they should go EV or not 
right after that. So uh, this concept was initially came up with when we had the big snowstorm and the winter. See how long it takes us to get the thing sometimes. Yes. It, it's just because we have better ideas. We have a, we're going to have a better idea. We're going to come up with a topic for the next week and then we're going to come up with a better idea Tuesday and just In, inspiration will strike. Yes, it will happen. Um, but yeah, uh, so Bill, what are some problems that you think uh, people are not talking about with uh, driving EVs? And oh. you know, whether it was what whether it is weather, duh, ha ha, like that, or whatever you got. Okay, well, before we um, let me start on that. Oh, you forgot about your segments. Let me let's let's talk about this week's car picks. I'm gonna bounce back and forth. We don't have a historical figure this week, but this week I am gonna do a bring a trailer pick of the week. Um, so I will show those two things to you first, and then from there I'll move on to the things people aren't thinking about when talking about EVs because I have several. All right, so first let's pull up this screen and I'll screen share. Oh the, yeah. Even with no camera, I can still, we can say, whoa, whoa, what is that? This <laughs> is a 1933 Morgan Sports runabout with a custom trailer that it loads onto and you pull behind your pickup truck or car. Um, but this car is my pick of the week because I want you to see that it was found in very rough, abandoned sheet metal shape back in 1982 in Trinity, North Carolina which is just, I mean, my wife works in Trinity, North Carolina. And this thing has oh, been really? fully restored and lives its life in California currently. And I just think this thing is super cool, and it would be awesome to bring it back to North Carolina because that's apparently where it died originally. Um, anyway. Well, so all, that's my, all you got to do is, you know, go ahead and pay $17,501 yeah, and go ahead and get it. It's not going to happen. So that was my <laughs> runner-up. So that we can okay. stay on topic, my actual pick for this week is this. How was that on a trailer? 2022. <laughs> this is people trying to flip new stuff. That's why. 2022 Lucid <laughs> Air Dream Edition range. That's right. So there is already a Lucid Air being auctioned on Bring a Trailer. Obviously, you can see it doesn't say no reserve. So these people probably have like a $200,000 reserve on there thinking they're going to make a quick buck off of listing this thing and turning a profit on something that's just barely out. So there you go. It's currently at $135,000. It has four days remaining in the auction. We will see where it goes. That car costs more than that. costs $150,000 just to get it. Yeah, it's not up to its current retail value yet, but four days left to go. It is likely to get there. All right, so I'll close that down, and then let me hop back over to sharing my screen again and go to my other screen. And now we're looking at my EV informational stuff. Okay. So go ahead, here's one. Good. Yeah, I was ready. So here's something that people are talking about. What? That was Anna. Are you still seeing Anna, or do you see a nope. page? I see your page now. Go ahead. Okay. All right. That was quick. Okay. So first, let's talk emissions. So I know what everybody's going to say, but uh, Bill, the car doesn't uh, produce any emissions. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't. But guess what does? The factory that makes the electricity that goes into your car. That is still classified as your emissions, whether you want to claim it or not, dummy. All right. So... If we break down emissions generation by plant in the U.S., I found some handy national averages here. Currently in the U.S., we have a lot of natural gas, and then number two is coal. And then after that, it really breaks down. You got nuclear, um, and then everything below that is all sub-10% of the market. Now, here's what you need to I think about. I will send you uh, – this, this chart will be in the links for the record. Yes. Yes. All these, I have all these things set up in links to go into the show notes. So yeah, he got 17 tabs open right now. So yes. <laughs> so what you need to keep in mind here is that this is like currently this thing shows annual emissions per vehicle. If you do the math and you divide it out, which these people did, which was very kind, 
it puts the electric and all electric vehicles CO2 emissions by virtue of claiming that electricity from a place that generates CO2 emissions at roughly half of a gasoline powered vehicle. Roughly, roughly half. Okay. However, that number is helped by the current number of EVs on the road or owned by people in America. So as Mm -hmm. that number climbs, so too will that pounds of CO2 equivalent because the gasoline car number will begin to drop. So that's something Mm -hmm. to keep in mind is that um, that chart is going to, because the the net need for all of these things is going to increase. Therefore, they're going to produce more emissions. So that number is going to grow as more EVs are purchased. So that, that's fact number one that people don't talk about is the emissions of the plant producing the electricity. Okay, I got. It. I would like to see if they had a chart on that that see if they at at what number do the uh, at what number do they equal? You know what I mean? Once we get to this many EVs on the road, yeah, that's a, that's a good and, question. But I think there's probably it's it's probably hard to forecast that because what you're hoping is just like in one of the other topics we're going to talk about later, you're hoping that as more electric cars are produced and purchased, there will be better alternative production means of electricity, you know, acted upon. Right. But but I I I don't know if it's going to be a proportional keep up. So I think that thing's going to be constantly in flux. Yeah, that's one of them charts that you know it'd be cool. Like we will, we will probably go back to this website and look at it several times. Just sure, that's right. Nerds like that. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so this next one is a little chart about um, ownership of an EV car because what they look at here is um, basically like over the life cycle of your vehicle, how much owning that EV will eventually, like in long-term ownership, be better than owning an ICE vehicle. Um, Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about here is the ownership of the vehicle offsetting the manufacturing of the vehicle. So we're talking about emissions by production of vehicle manufacturing. Um, So what I find very interesting here is it breaks down conventional vehicles and it shows the different parts of the vehicle's life cycle that contribute to uh, CO2 gases, right? There's the production of the vehicle, there's the life cycle of the vehicle, and and then there's like just tailpipe exhaust on here. But all of this stuff shows, and this is really their like bring it home chart right here, the second chart where it shows lifetime um, amounts of CO2 put into the atmosphere as a result of making the car and owning the car. And in an ice car, um, you can see the red graph here versus the gray graph. Oh, sorry. I've got those flipped. So the, the red graph versus the gray graph of an automobile. So the longer you own the gasoline car, the worse it gets for the environment because you continue to produce but the mm-hmm. EV supposedly stays the same. Yeah. yeah however, so, however, so if for, you look at these charts, if you look at how they're measured for the first four years of the life cycle of the vehicle, which is which is doing like the EV isn't doing any better for the environment in those first four years. In fact, in the first three years, it's doing substantially worse for the environment. And my, my question would be, and Stanley, you always know all these facts and numbers in America today. How long does the typical car owner keep a new car? Well, that has changed a little bit here recently. Um, uh, it used to be four and a half to six years. It used to be. Okay. And before that, before that, it was it was around about three years. But now they're saying it's at seven years. But I think that's a consequence of the uh, market being what it was and people hold it. But that's average. That didn't mean you know, like Bill had. Uh, how long have you had your own 
your oldest car, longest car? Oh, right well, now. at the moment, like, I don't know, three years, four years. So, I mean, at the Look moment, at I'm I'm in the demographic, right? And um, and I'm, in a, I'm on the other end where the the vehicle that's, in, that's been in my driveway the longest has been there for 10 years. So, so that's what makes this interesting because their claim is, is that EVs have a 58% lower life cycle impact than ICE cars. However, they're accounting for an ownership cycle of 12 years to yeah. get 58%. And, and that's, to be, there, I'm not saying that there are not people who um, own a vehicle for 12 years. I'm just saying they're in the bottom 5% or so of things. And don't quote me, I'm, pulling i'm using this i'm coming up with this i'm coming up with that bottom five percent just because of things that i do know but i'll look that up and we we can come up we we can put that information out there but before you switch right there that can, i think that's kind of um uh there is a i can kind of jump in right there okay go for right. it cool so one of the one of the conversations that uh, uh we've been having at work here lately is we have a young man that uh, is he's projecting his next vehicle purchase, right? And because of the current gas prices, he is wants to daggone get out of the, uh, get out of uh, ICE vehicles and get into an EV. Okay. But uh, and he wanted to get and he drives a truck, a full size uh, a, a full size truck, and he his next vehicle purchase, he was looking at a um, a Yukon Denali. Uh, truck that's what he wanted to get but he would do a, a chevy silverado high country too very similar truck so he's like well it's going to save me money and my argument was that it was not going to save him money because a silverado high country currently costs msrp seventy thousand dollars yes they're projecting the silverado EV high country, just projecting it to cost ninety thousand dollars. Yes, and I'm I'm saying that delta, but that that money between that that twenty thousand dollars, you're not just going to eat that up as quickly as you are uh, as you think you are, and in our reality, you're spending the same amount of money. You're just spending it at different times. I, I in fact, I would I would say this. Listen, that that lucid air. Um, that's for sale on bring a trailer it it actually has the window sticker included um in the slideshow of pictures now mm -hmm. lucid airs are one of the most like efficient fuel efficient full electric vehicles on the market and they they actually say on the window sticker that the estimated and of course we all know that these epa estimation numbers are not always on the pessimistic side um, yep. But they say your annual fuel cost is $550. That's what you're going to spend a year to electrify that car in the state of California, which is where it was purchased. Okay. Mm. However, it it says that you're only going to save in fuel economy, you save $3,750 in fuel cost over five years compared to the average new vehicle. So in five years of ownership, you're going to save $3,750. Now, that may have been at two months ago gas prices. So you might could double that. But even at $7,000, $170,000 entry fee for a car, just to say you're going to save $7,500 in gas over five years, seems a little foolish. Yes. Yes, it does. And so to kind of go back to what that and kind of what you were talking about on your last thing and uh, on your last website is. So what I did, what I did for him was a very, very close today comparison of two vehicles that, I, you know what, that talking to somebody who owned, has owned both of these vehicles in the, in the last 12 months. He even he admits, yes, it's essentially the the two vehicles do the same thing for the same company, right? So I compared a 2021 Mach E to a 2021 Ford Edge, because in all reality they, they are do the same thing. 
They they there are five passes here, mid sides, crossovers. It's just one is an ice vehicle and one is electric. That's right. So, right. That's right. The the, uh, the the cash price, total cash price, which is uh, how much is on the window sticker, and we know how much window stickers what window stickers really mean nowadays. Uh, for the head, yeah. So they just go off, and I'm doing this on Edmonds, so you can do this to yourself if you're listening. Total cash prices, which is MSRP with standard uh, equipment levels, it is $47,045 for the edge. Would you like to guess what the uh, total uh, cash price for the Mach-E is? Um, $83,000. Nope, because remember, we're not adjusting for all the craziness. It's 68000 because that's how much it's supposed to cost. Oh, that's how much it's supposed to cost. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Suggested the, MSRP. All right. Over five years of ownership, the edge will cost, they estimate the edge will cost, and this is financing the car with 10% down over 60 months, right? Okay, I'm, I'm with you. $51,116. Okay. That's fuel, insurance, repairs, taxes and fee, financing, depreciation, all this so, stuff. So even if you get five years of free electricity in the Mach-E, it's no, still this cheaper. Is, no, this, this is the edge. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying, even if you get five years of free electricity in the Mach E, the Edge is still cheaper. What do you think the Edge is? Uh, the Mach E is what the ownership cost? Yeah, the true ownership cost. Because I told you the true ownership cost for the Edge was fifty one thousand one hundred and sixteen dollars. So, so the Mach E's, you know, seventy two. No, they estimate the true cost of ownership. For that vehicle over five years is $51,209. dollars they got zero percent financing on that one or something? No, they uh they're using uh they're you because the car ain't gonna be paid off completely. Okay. <laughs> uh the car ain't gonna but financing wise, uh where you have financing, uh six thousand dollars, they're gonna be paying six thousand dollars in interest over that over that five years or whatever. But anyway, the fuel cost of, of for the for the Maki that they estimate is going to be about forty two hundred and seventy one dollars over five years. Over five years, for the edge is thirteen thousand eight hundred and forty six dollars. Okay. The thing the thing that gets you is what and, and we all know because most of us drive ICE vehicles. Um, fuel is the thing. And we all been dealing with depreciation. Everybody got to deal with financing unless you're Bill. Um, <laughs> I finance things occasionally. Houses and castles. Oh my god! People gosh. aren't people aren't accounting for how much insurance costs. Yes. For for that vehicle, uh, there is maintenance that is going to be required over that yes. time that time period. Because people think that, oh, no, you, you, you all you got to do is drive it. No. At year four in a Mach-E, they estimate it's $2,804 of maintenance that you got to do to it. Right. And the other thing is depreciation. Well, that's, that's a big thing because that battery has a hard expiration date on it. Yeah, they. I mean, the most most of these companies are doing that on uh, twenty uh, uh, ten ten years. I think it's ten year uh, warranties on on those batteries and stuff. Yeah, but it's because they have a fifteen to, year lifespan. Yep. And then we got to go put it up and go do something else to it. But anyway, I thought it was kind of cool that hey, that I told him that you're not going to save any money. You're just spending it at different times, and then I did two vehicles and that it. were really that just proved it, right? Yes. The difference is the biggest difference is the fact that there is no way on planet Earth that GM is going to sell that Silverado X uh, uh, EV high country for ninety thousand dollars. I guarantee you it costs a hundred and some thousand dollars. One hundred percent. Especially seeing how 
every VV, every EV on the market, with the exception of one, went up in the cost, went up in uh, MSRP this month. Do you know what that one was? What? It was a Chevy Volt. A Volt. Volt. E Volt. I said the right. I said Volt the first time. Volt. Volt. They decreased the price. They decreased the price by six thousand dollars. Wow. Every other VEV, um, Tesla over their whole, um, over their whole uh, category, not category, catalog of vehicles. I think they went up on average forty five hundred dollar per daggone per vehicle. Um, anyway, not, not to mention they no longer have tax incentives, and they no longer have tax incentives. They completely took out the the the, the cheapest version of it. Uh, what the you know? I guess cheap does work right there. The cheapest version of it. But uh, before I hand the mic back over to you and get to talking, I'm gonna make you. Th I'm gonna I'm gonna make you think a little okay. bit. Okay, go for it. When I jump when I jump back in, I'm gonna talk about something that you I'm sure you're gonna get to eventually. Is gas prices? All right. Gas what prices about? are horrible. gas prices are horrible down there. Yes, they are. Do you think gas prices are the most that they ever were in U.S. history? No, not by what the like gross GDP is of of Americans. It's not the highest price relative to income for the current value of the dollar. It is not. So adjusted for inflation. Yeah. So when do you think? What year do you think we've had that the highest? The actual highest national gas prices. Ooh, man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. My brain wants to say at least sometime during the Cold War because people just panicked about everything. But I don't know. You tell me. You're going to give up that? You're not going to say, just give me one answer that you just Dude, want. I mean... I got 150 numbers to choose from. Like the odds are stacked against me. It happened while you were alive. Oh, okay. Um, 1988 or 89. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was laughing at something. Else. Anyway, no, you're wrong. In 2008, right. the uh, gas prices reached $4.11. I should have. I should have known to go for Obama. I don't know what I was thinking. If if and it uh, at four dollars and eleven cent, and today it's five dollars and fifty eight cent. And today, as of today, the national the, the uh, average gas price in the United States of America is four dollars and ninety three cent. Uh huh. Well, I'd say so we'd all just. just ride bicycles everywhere but that's dangerous for no. some people so no 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 we can't be like europe what are you talking about what do you mean? um all right so let's get to let's get back to the ev stuff yeah go ahead well, that was what EV were you gonna stuff. say what were you gonna say about gas prices? is that it you just want to talk about that we still don't have the highest gas prices yet uh we don't we and we are nowhere close to the highest gas prices on the planet right now but go ahead right, we continue right. we're talk definitely about not we're definitely not close to the highest gas prices on earth that's for for sure not true because <laughs> there's way higher gas prices globally than what we're paying that's absolutely but but you know you kind of got to prorate that gas price to a, into a ratio form that would also account for what people pay in taxes in those countries, because some of those countries that are paying e ridiculously high gas prices have cheaper taxes. So the people are keeping more of their income to spend on gas. So there's a bit of a trade-off there. And I think that would probably be a lot of math. Nobody cares to hear about. Um, but anyway, next topic was going to be recycling. Like, Occasionally, people will say, "What do you do with all these batteries?" But oh, I know that's a that's a very generic statement without a lot of detail. So, so the next information I was going to pass along was going to be um, about the actual batteries themselves, the battery packs, and more importantly, what they're made of, because that's uh -huh. really the thing that matters. 
because currently there's no effort being made to break down these batteries back into their individual materials, which would make the most sense because then those materials could be used again in other batteries. Um, but that's not happening right now. And if the numbers of EV cars sold goes to the numbers that they that most governments want to see in the next, you know, 10 years or less, then we have the potential that in by 2040, we could be looking at 28 million tons of battery waste that somebody needs to do something with. That's a lot of battery waste because you're trading, you're trading emissions uh, through a tailpipe for physical waste because Mm -hmm. you, you know, it, all energy produces waste. So you, you're just, it's that old analogy of like, if I don't have to deal with it today, then I'll let somebody else deal with it tomorrow. And passing passing the problem on to our children and grandchildren. Yes. And, you know, these lithium ion batteries haven't been around long enough to really know over a long period of time, what's going to happen as they break down and return to the earth, are they going to cause water pollution problems? Are they going to cause um, plant pollution problems and not be able to grow things? Like they don't actually know because they hadn't, the technology hadn't been around long enough. So it's mm-hmm. um, rushing into something without really giving a lot of thought to what to do about the cleanup. And that's kind of scary too, that, you know, that's not being considered as heavily as maybe it should be. And do you want to really contribute to that? You know, if you're recycling all the plastic and cardboard in your house, but you just bought your third Tesla for your daughter uh, to drive, are you thinking about what's going to happen with that? What do you, whatever you have roughly, you know, 2,000 pounds, 2,500 pounds worth of batteries when they die and need to be recycled. So, well, I, I understand what you're saying. I know uh, Tesla themselves, and I'm not, disputing and arguing with any of the, any of these things because I'm actually reading it as you're talking about it and again I'll put all these things in the show link so you can read them too you probably won't be able to listen and read at the same time but you know sometimes that's right. we that's do right. podcasts like this but anyway um uh I know Tesla has a project where they take uh battery packs that are no no longer uh good for uh vehicle use and they reuse them in houses as uh, battery backups, and they have a uh, we have a uh, local solar farm. It's, it's maybe a quarter mile away from the house, and they have a they have backup batteries like solar places have that manage the power. Right. Well, um, first of all, solar solar fields do not have backup batteries to manage power. They have batteries to manage power because yeah, yeah, solar yeah. energy comes into the panels and is generated as direct current and that direct current has to go somewhere and it can't just go directly into a power grid. So it has to go to a battery to be held until it can be processed out in AC format that can go and work your house fan or light switch or ninja blender to make your fruit smoothie. So you have to have batteries. Okay, you just said what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say better. Okay, you win. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and, and I guess I guess technically, it. I guess technically speaking, you're also correct in that on a cloudy day when the farm isn't producing as much electricity, those batteries can still, at a constant rate, put energy into the yeah. grid. So yeah. I guess they technically That's, are backing up yeah. the the sun's yeah. rays. So you win. Yeah, you're they, right. So it goes in there, they hold it to distribute it later. That's right. See? Yeah, That's right. Yeah. But the point I was trying to make with that is the one that we have that's attached to this solar farm is is a Tesla product. That's interesting. I did not know that they were using old, worn out, not safe to drive a person down the highway to run town's powers with. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, there is a YouTube Does that channel. make you feel more or less safe about that being where your power for your home's coming from? 
Well, the way they're currently using them is uh, there's you got this guy on YouTube because there's a guy a person on YouTube for everything, where uh, he uh, he was trying to get the Tesla the, the Tesla solar panels, but that didn't really work out. But he is running his house, and the way the way it works in layman's terms is uh, power comes into the grid. They pop, they they charge up the batteries, and instead of having a gasoline generator or something that backs him up. Those batteries hold the power to back up his house in case of things. Ah, okay. And I think they estimate like one battery can power your house, an average size house for like two, two, three days or something like that. And you can put as many of them as you can afford in a house. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, and so the the next study that I found. This is probably the one that I thought was the most eye-opening. And I actually shared this on our BS Car Guys podcast Facebook page. So if you're not already following us on Facebook, feel free to follow us on Facebook. Um, and Bill will put these on the link on Facebook, too. I can. I can put all of them. But this one was actually already shared. So this is from okay. the pa Patriot Project. And this was a very interesting study um, that actually came out from the Western Journal. And the study found that green cars that being hybrids and evs actually pollute the atmosphere more than ice cars uh i do not i've never heard that before but let, let's let's hear let's see what you're saying so the environmental protection agency measures air quality based on a standard of particulate in air material so you have parts per million of material in the atmosphere mm -hmm. that causes pollution. Yep. Well, those items in the air are not restricted to gases. They are any small particles emitted from vehicle traffic that is part of that measurement. Well, guess what mm. electric cars do way worse than ice cars? I do not know. Fight gravity. Oh, they weigh on average far more than an ice engine vehicle. So guess what? Guess what? One technology hasn't changed with the introduction of the EV versus ice vehicle. Tires. Tires. Guess what breaks down the longer you drive them on your car? Tires. So if your car weighs a whole lot more, guess what breaks down faster? Tires. Hmm. I did so. So I was going to use the tires thing as a for for a different part, but say how you broke up tires. Um. Um. Had some had a little bit of a break because I was going to say all of that you just said again somewhere else. Again, this we we don't talk about these things before we get on the mic. We just talk and then we have real discussions about this stuff. That's um. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, tight. That's the thing. That's a, a part of uh, EV ownership that people that doesn't get uh, spoken about a lot. Tires. There are different tires on EVs. You know what? Also, what I what's also different about those tires, besides the, the makeup and all this other stuff, the, uh, the 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 real thing that is going to hurt the consumer about the tires on EVs and where they didn't hurt you in ICE vehicles as much is how much it costs to replace them. Because you're going to replace them more. Because <laughs> yes. I think, that, I think, uh, oh gosh, I can't, I'm going to find it again. I think it was roughly a third of, a third of a life of tires on a regular, on an ice vehicle. That's how, you replace tires three times as much on an electric vehicle as you do on an ice vehicle. There you Isn't go. that very interesting? It. Which means you're putting three times more of the rubber particulate not only into the air but off onto the side of the roads which washes down into the streams you're putting more rubber particulate which by the way um tree huggers of the world listening to the bs car guys podcast guess what those rubber tires are made out of dead dinosaurs so you're still using more dead dinosaurs um and you're putting them into the air and into the ground and into the water at a faster rate than Joe Schmo riding around in his 35-year-old Honda Civic that's 
spewing black smoke out the tailpipe because he's got three burnt valves in his four cylinder. But hey, guess what? You're you're saving the earth, so you think. Um, anyway, and then one last topic of conversation on like negative side effects of owning an EV is I recently read an article, and pe- people have probably seen this video of this um, electric bus in France that looked like it was a jet powered drag car uh, that wound what? up burn- burning down some houses. But anyway, in Paris, uh, a public transportation operator had to pull 149 of its buses off the roads after two of them exploded. Um, yeah. So that's a thing. Um, because once these things ignite on fire, there's no putting them out. So when you put gigantic batteries Mm -hmm. in buses and trucks, Mm -hmm. you definitely increase the, um, opportunity for there to be a major catastrophic explosion or fire and is that really something we want to introduce on our roadways is you know another vehicle that's potentially extremely hazardous in the event of an accident or a puncture or just a malfunction with a wire good point good point i understand what you're saying i i I get uh, i i i get what you're putting down there that they but uh, that and that was one of the reasons the Chevy Volt wasn't doing as well as it was because it had uh, battery fire issues. Teslas have had fire battery fire issues, and also if you didn't realize it, that's one of the reasons why you get uh, uh, lithium is uh, lithium batteries is a has has a his own hazard class. If you for all you hazmat uh, shippers and that's things. right. There's a reason why <laughs> if you buy something on Amazon that has a lithium-ion battery in it, it does not come in two days prime most of the time because it cannot be shipped by air. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, I, um, cool. Um, so, so you want to hear information? Ideas, a lot of information. Do you, you want to hear my positive spin? Yeah, on you've been, EV ownership. You've been you've been pretty negative so far. I just want well, you to know this is. This is the most negative you've been in a long time. Well, you know, everybody, I mean, people were just complaining they were missing old grumpy curmudgeon Bill, so I had to bring him back. I, I was getting I mean, a lot also, of I was getting a lot also, of pretend fan mail telling me to bring back Grumpy Bill. Also, that shirt on the website that uh that that's up right now, I feel like you have that third the third shirt. I, I feel like you have that in the closet somewhere. What are you talking about? The one that you screen share with me. Oh, 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 the third shirt? Yep. You, you know, uh, I did look briefly at purchasing that shirt, which is why it's being shown to me in an ad. Uh, I did not purchase the shirt. <laughs> oh, so it sounds like I have, somebody built a shirt. I, I have one that is uh, even brighter. But don't worry, when you click on these links and you look at these articles, you will see ads tailored towards whatever it was you were shopping for last. So, yep. okay. Right, so let's, give me some positive. Let's, I, let's want, some I want positive. to hear a positive view. All right. Well, here's here it is. I have one. One. Yep. You had twenty seven <laughs> negatives. Well, sorry, I couldn't find a lot I liked. Um, this is what I think the real best current use case is for the environment for electrification of a vehicle. Are you EV- about to talk about? Are you about to sell me? Try to sell me on EV conversions again? EV conversions for classic automobiles. Now, here's why. They have long since been offset from the manufacturing process and ownership. Mm-hmm. Everything that was had to be mined or machined or produced to make that car, except for the consumables, like tires, has long since written itself off. And these cars, a lot of them have been meticulously maintained and kept and preserved and are still, mechanically speaking, in pristine functioning condition. We we have a friend who had an old car. I don't know if he still has it, um, but it was still in decent working order mechanically. The doors still open and close as they did when it was new. The hood and trunk still worked correctly. The headlights still came on when power was applied. Um, and the metal was Sometimes. all still relatively solid. So taking a good donor car, I'm not saying a junkyard car, but a good donor car 
that's long in the tooth and maybe the engine isn't as great as it used to be is a great candidate for an electrification conversion. And if you look at the cost of entry for a new fully electric car with a decent range, Mm -hmm. not, not a bolt, but like a good electric car, the cost of bolt is a good, a a bolt is a good electric car. We'll get there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. What's What's the range on a bolt? Is uh two fifty eight, I think. Okay. Well that's not bad. Okay, so see now I gotta Google. Do you do you want to guess <laughs> I, I feel like it's less than that, but do you want to guess what the average cost is currently to EV convert a classic automobile? The average cost. The average cost, not not including the donor car? Not including the cost of purchasing a donor car. This is you already own a donor car and you're going to convert it yourself or have someone convert it. 15K. Yep, that's exactly right. Well, it's it's between 15 and 20 is the average cost. See, I was, I, I, that was a good, and I, I definitely did not know that number off the top of my head. I just pulled it out of my butt. Um, I know Ford had, oh, look, look, you're scrolling down to it. <laughs> yes. I know Ford uh, did the uh, F100. Did they officially say they're going to sell that kit? Yeah, it's going to be sold. It's available as a crate motor, crate conversion from Ford. There are a lot of other EV companies out there that are already doing crate conversions for um, classic automobiles. So Ford is definitely not the first. Uh, the Chevy Bolt gets. Range is 259 miles. Look at that. Bam. I was off by one mile. One mile. Look at that. I just want you to know that. Are you still there? Bill. Bill. I don't know if we, I don't know if Bill's still here, but Am I, still I like his. Yeah, were you still? Did you hear me the whole time? Yeah, I could hear you. I was having some headphone problems. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I I will I will not lie. I am warming up to your uh, your EV conversion idea. I didn't really think it was. I didn't think it was the coolest thing on the, on the planet to do. I thought it was cool, but I am warming up to your idea. I because. Uh, in all reality, to kind of go back to what we said, uh, what we've been talking about this whole podcast and EVs, and we're, we're, the, the podcast does sound a little negative because we're trying to talk about negative things about EVs. <laughs> well, but uh, I, I don't think it's that we're trying to talk about negative things about EVs. I just I feel like it's that we are trying to paint the complete picture of what EVs yeah. cost us as a human yeah. race because yeah, these, they're the they're the cool hotness right now. And yes. a lot of times when people are excited about the new hotness, they kind of glaze over some of the, like the what negative. it actually takes to have that new hotness. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. like saying, Ooh, I really love this new iPhone. And I also really hate child labor, but I really want this new iPhone. So I'll kind of glaze over the fact that they're made by four year olds in China. Um, you're going to get Apple to come after us, sir. And I they are welcome to because I don't own an Apple product. I don't want that smoke. The apple scares me. Have you seen the circle? I'm not. I'm not scared of the circle. Okay, so <laughs> I speak truth, and I'm not afraid of it. Uh, okay, so anyway, so I think an EV conversion for an existing collector car is the best use case for that because you want to keep that car on the road. You want to maintain it. um, But the way that it functions with its, you know, 30, 40, 50, 70 year old drivetrain isn't great for the environment. Batteries are being produced, but if you can put those batteries into a car that doesn't also have to be manufactured, you remove part of that. Um, issue. Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah, which is what I was trying to say before you uh, blacked out. I don't know if you heard me the whole time. Was yes that I warmed up, I have warmed up a, little, a bit to your your ideas uh, of uh, converting older cars into uh, e, uh, EVs, and I've actually kind of gone beyond that. Uh, I think the I think a really good case scenario that may work its way out in the future is converting the car you have to EV. You know, mm. understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't think that works as well on like say a 2005 Pontiac vibe. I don't think that's a good candidate for an EV conversion. But I well, understand I don't what think you're I'll, saying. I don't think a 2005 Pontiac vibe is a good candidate for since it hasn't been a good candidate for a car since 2007. But that ain't the point. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, hey, I'm gonna talk about my favorite car company real quick. Look at that. Uh, two Shocker. of them, all both of them. Shocker. Wow. Nobody so, saw it coming. So both BMW and the Hyundai Automotive Group have released two cars that can be currently well one of them can be both of them can currently be ordered uh-huh. but uh uh you can't actually have one right now uh, there are some new reviews that are online for both cars that are both you can there is an ice version of the car right and there's an ev version of the car because they specifically and they essentially they did what uh, what an EV conversion? They're pulling all uh, pulling out the components that would make an ICE uh, uh, vehicle and replacing them with EV uh, with EV components. Because if you don't realize, there is a lot of space underneath the floor of your uh, under, underneath the floorboard of your car and the actual bottom of your car. So right. one of the in cars, a lot of cases, maybe not in like a Chevy Corvette, but in a lot of cases, yes, in a lot of cases. So the first car is the uh, BMW. Uh, X oh oh gosh see I'm blanking. It's the four series electric. Is they're blanking real quick. Um, and essentially, they probably got some crazy name like the M I E four V six three or something. Actually, the Genesis have has the weirder name, and I'm gonna go to BMW website while I think about it. But the Genesis, uh, one of the cars that I like, uh, the Genesis GV eighty. Electrified. Okay. I don't know why they did. I didn't know why they just didn't say EV, but they they called it electrified. But well, that's fine. I knew this. I knew the vehicle was coming because I saw the Korean versions of it. And if you didn't know, South Korea and America has very similar car, car rules and things. We uh-huh. but we have vast. We have very different markets. So I've seen they have electrified every Genesis that you can currently buy. They have an electrified version of it. Uh, in in South Korea, and so the uh, the eighty, uh, the GV the G eighty was the first one to make it to the states. It looks the exact same. You lose a little bit of headroom, and now all of a sudden is an EV car with two hundred and thirty miles of range, which in all yeah, which in all reality. Is more than everybody, with the exception of Bill, who has to drive all across all of North Carolina on a daily basis, drives. Well, not all of North Carolina, but close. Yeah, well, well, close. But you, that car, I don't think a, you're the. Per, I don't think you're the person for an EV at all. No, no, and again, just, that's just, another. Listen, that's another supporting feather in the cap of classic car EV conversions because if you have long commutes or you and your family enjoy long road trips and you still want to own an EV, you're going to have to compromise something because currently there are no EVs that allow you to have really long commutes or take really long family road trips without having to make some sacrifices that you wouldn't have to make in an ICE vehicle. Like, I can drive my truck basically three to five days, depending on mileage in a day, on a single mm-hmm. tank of fuel. And when I do have to fuel up, um, it only takes a couple of minutes. 
versus in in an EV vehicle. When I go to have to recharge it, I'm going to be there for a hot minute unless I'm like partial charging, like super fast, high voltage, Mm -hmm. charging to 80% and then hopping off the charger, which apparently is the way to do it because that last 20% takes forever. Um, well, I, I do agree with you. There is a compromise to be made. But uh, if do you know off the top of your head how much how much range you get on a tank of gas? Yeah, about 460 miles. About 460, right. And if my memory served me correctly, uh, I think the Lucid, the not performance, not the one that you can buy right now, I think it's supposed to be at like 530, isn't it? Yeah, but what's the, what's the charging time from zero? Yeah, it's also double the price of my truck and then some. Um, plus, what? when you go to recharge it, you're going to be stationary for an hour if you had to go from zero to 100 to then repeat that mileage. Correct. I, I, well, in most cars now, and I, I agree with you there. But Genesis, the Hyundai Automotive Group, uh, they use the 800 volt architecture, and for example, in the instant, it is on the GV80 electrified. So that car, if the the EV uh, the EV6 and the uh, oh gosh, the Ionic 5, if you can charge, if you can do that in 18 minutes on a battery pack that's half that size, I would. But say, you can't. I mean, but you can't do it in realistic real world. First of all, finding a charger that's working correctly to do high voltage charging, that's a whole other conversation. And then being able to charge from, let's say, 3 or 5% to 100%, you ain't doing that in 18 minutes. Well, in in that part, you can't. No. You can do, if you look, they'll say charging, they'll say charging to like 80%, but you can't charge to 100% that fast not on the current infrastructure of chargers that's out there. Maybe on some special small, they've got 20 of them built so far, network of chargers Hyundai's working on in California. But I'm telling you, you can't just run down the street to the Walmart parking lot EV charger and do that in 18 minutes. It ain't going to happen. I agree that you can't do that on all chargers. There are some chargers out there. Charger. Uh, mo- most chargers. There are some chargers out there that allow 800 volts whatever that whatever thing allow you to charge that fast uh alex on auto alex on auto has a video of him doing it in a uh and his old mach e and his new ev6 to kind of demonstrate it if y'all want to check that out but the bmw's name is the i4 and there's two different versions of it the i450 and the i4 e-drive 40 it's the i4 m50 it's the I, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I just said, right? I don't know. It didn't sound like it. You said a bunch of letters. <laughs> I don't, yeah, because BMW. Uh, and um, the most range that they advertise is 301 miles. And uh, the that's on the E Drive 40. And on the 50, it is 270. And them cars are stupid fast. But anyway, I don't, that's a, but. I do. I, I I agree that you still have to make a compromise when you're you're gonna go for an EV car, regardless of what you're doing. But I also believe that, like, but maybe and maybe just is because I live in the burbs and you live in a house. We have the we have a house that we could install an EV charger in, so we can charge our, our car every day and never put gas in it. Like for your wife, an EV would work. Not for you. But for your wife, it would work. For me, it would work because I could just charge at home every night. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I, no, I get that. For, I get that. But here's the thing: for my wife, who only has to commute like nine miles to get a state-owned vehicle to then work out of all day, a nine-mile commute in an EV, yeah, she could theoretically she could drive for like a month on a on a charge. If that's all she did was just driving back and forth to work and commute only with the Is vehicle. Is that commute only nine miles for real? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, it's probably close. It's probably like 9.8 if I got to really guess at it. Because I've yeah. ridden my bike from the house to right across the street. And I, I want to say it was like 9.6. So we'll call it nine nine eight. Maybe call it rounded up to 10 to the parking lot. But anyway, so 
yeah, in theory, I get what you're saying. You know, she could drive for 30 days on a, on a single charge and then just plug it up at night. But here's the thing. The vehicle we own is whatever it is, 15 years old. It's owned. Uh-huh. It's paid for. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no, there, the initial cost to buy it was, you know, sub $20,000. So mm-hmm. to go out and spend potentially a hundred thousand dollars on an electric vehicle, dude, she would have to be buying three tanks of gas a day for five years to spend the yeah. money on the difference. It and, does, and- it doesn't make financial sense. It's a terrible idea financially. And I think is that's it, the thing a lot of people don't think about is like, oh, I got to go get this new electric car because gas prices are high. But, dude, do you understand your the payment difference you're making in payments, the amount of payments you would have to make or the 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 number of tanks of gas you would have to buy to offset it, especially if you have a small commute. I get it if you have a big commute and you're spending $600 a week in fuel and there's an electric car with the range to do it then I'd be like, yeah, okay, maybe we could do some math on it and figure out if it's really worth it or not. But how many people are spending $600 on gas that aren't all part of a trucking company? Well, I, I will end this because we are, we are, we are, we are running long. So I'm going to end this with my last two comments. I have a friend that I, I have a friend that you, you and I have a mutual friend whose wife uh, drives an F-150 and she, posted something last week where she put $200 in gas in her truck and it was three quarters of a tank full. She does live on the West Coast. That was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's West Coast for you. That's... But I, I agree with you what you're saying because, you know, the, uh, for munching Bill, we're going to get the Happy Bill back next, next time. That's right. That's right. But Happy Bill's but, still uh, here. He's just being realistic, Bill. He's um, he's not half a glass full. He's not half a glass empty. He's just we got a half a glass. All right. So I will. This is and this is what I told. I'll end my part of this with the same way I ended the conversation uh, with the with the guy at work. If you're gonna buy a fifty thousand dollar car, it does not make sense to buy. It does not make money sense to buy a $70,000 $70, EV in, in a money-saving effort. But if you're going to buy a $50,000 car, and that, you have a $50,000 car budget, and you buy the most EV you can buy for $50,000, yeah, you'll save money then. But not if there's a delta in between how much uh, the, the car you were going to buy and the car you could buy. If they cost the same initially, you'll save money. We'll still have the, all the same environmental impacts and everything, but you'll save money because you're just not putting gas in your car. But the problem is EV technology it hasn't prolif- proliferated enough that buying a realistic $50,000 DAG or EV is only four or five of them out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen, I just did, quick, only- I just did some quick math. All right. If you already own a car, if you already own a car and it's paid for and you own it, if you're putting $250 worth of gas per week in your car, not many people are, but if you are and you do that every week for throughout the year, you have to do that consistently for a whole five years for what it would cost to buy a $50,000 car. Now that's to, to your point, that's to buy a car that the total investment costs you $50,000. So that's going to count your interest and everything. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you, I mean, you started out with probably the best point that people don't consider in ownership of an EV is that, the money you already have in equity in your current vehicle offsets the fuel savings that you would potentially rack up with the EV. Correct. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's probably the, the best point to hang the whole conversation on. And the other part of that is 
if you're drive, if you're driving a vehicle that it currently costs you two hundred and fifty dollars a week to drive, you're driving the wrong vehicle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, listen on a on a separate note that's not EV related. Um, in an effort to save some fuel and do stuff a little differently, um, in August, so just about a month and a half, two mo- actually two months and a week from now. Um, I will be starting the process of getting my motorcycle endorsement um, because <laughs> I, I'm going to get myself a motorcycle. Oh, we are going to talk about this offline. Maybe we should record it, but we're going to talk about this <laughs> offline. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? We're going to end this episode right here. I'm going to continue <laughs> to record, and if it's if it's if it's published worthy, then this is going to be a a one shot. And that's another thing. I think we could start doing it again. We'll talk about it in the next, yes, in, in, yes. in, a, in a second. But right. for everybody, I, I, Bill, I love you. We're gonna I love finish you, Kaylee. I love get- you, listeners. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Give it a second. Give it a second.